Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. back benny walker ghost haven't heard that song for a while and it's good to be uh good to be hearing that hook again and being back with tell me your tales podcast thanks for joining me again thanks for downloading the show if you're new to tell me your tales this is the uh podcast that i did before hooked up with brad and julian for the road to berlin and then um inside running podcast kind of evolved from that so we kind of back to the the original location here it's um it's not so much an interview it's more of just a conversation with some people that um, I find interesting or inspiring or wise in one way or or another and we just have a bit of a chat probably more of a two-way conversation and we just record it and um, produce it I guess rather than going in with the goal to get some kind of content to share to the listeners so I really hope you um, enjoy it if you haven't listened to any of the shows before definitely go back and I think there's uh, maybe 60, 65 episodes that we recorded before I kind of um, put this on a pause a bit. And yeah, some good stories, some good um, conversations in there as well. Thought it was fitting to get Andy on for the first show back, considering he was the first person that I ever recorded an interview with Tell Me Your Tales with and that kind of first leap of faith into this podcasting world. And um, yeah, it was good to hear about some of his views at the moment about the running culture here in Australia and overseas and what's up with his own running and um, yeah the kind of documentaries he's watching and the podcast he's listening to and all those kind of things which is um yeah always always good to keep informed like that as well and for me it was good to just have a conversation with somebody again without um you know like you see mates and stuff and you do that old direct messenger or you go out for lunch with somebody but there's always so many distractions the kind of phone's always on the table and um, yeah, sometimes when you're doing interviews for Inside Running, you've got to try and get to certain points, whereas I enjoy this format because it's kind of pretty genuine 
and it's just two people having a conversation and sometimes I think we don't do that enough so I am doing this just as much for myself to be able to connect with people and have some um, authentic kind of deeper conversations as well so that's one of the goals for the show as well I just said as well about 38 times in the space of that last 30 seconds but anyway um, if you like what I do could you please share it on social media it would be good to see that people are listening again I think towards the end of Tell Me Your Tales it was about four and a half thousand downloads a week so um, if some of you legends are out there and you can tag Andy and I in some Instagram stories to say you're listening again or titles on Strava it's pretty easy just to bang that TMYT in a title or anything um, yeah on the other socials Twitter I'm pretty active as well and um, Facebook, probably don't use Facebook too much at the moment, but um, yeah, you know where I am. You can find me in those spots. If you've got any ideas about people to have some conversations with, remembering that I'm you know, talking to some pretty elite level athletes over on Inside Running, you can uh, find me at bradytrailful at gmail.com. All the information's there. And um, yeah, I think that's all I needed to say. Enjoy this conversation. Back again with Andy Allison. Thanks, can't complain, can't complain. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure. Just jogging this morning, I'm like, you know what, should just kick this up, get a bit bit more positivity back with Tell Me Your Tales instead of dealing with a few grumpy guys here and there. <laughs> give, yep, give, absolutely. The pe- give the people what they want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had a few people asking about Tell Me Your Tales when it was coming back. I've been looking forward to it as well. Yeah, because um, it's kind of like, don't really want to bring it back in a, like... A, a, probably that elitist running sense is what we're trying to hit with the um, inside running. So I don't want to be competing or using kind of the interviews that I could use on that platform. But yeah. I reckon like much more just these chilled out conversations and like almost hitting up people that had on the like tell me tales like in the first round and just kind of go back and see what they're all up to kind of thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, not sure yet. As I said, it was kind of just just woke up this morning. I was like, yeah, should do this today. I'll see if Andy's available. Worked out well. We'll talk it all about anyway, mate. Just keep it real chilled and go from there. You got to be anywhere? Nope. Beautiful. I might chuck this recording gear on, hey? Okay, let's do it. You know what it's like, mate. You've been here before. I sure have, yeah. All right. Andy Allison, tell me your tales is back. Welcome. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't have it with anybody else. The first episode, first ever recording. I think you've been on the show two or three times. Sick of getting people hitting me up on Twitter asking when we're catching up with you again, and here we are. Mate, it's great to be back. It was uh, really exciting to get your message this afternoon or early this morning, seeing if I was free, so yeah, glad it's worked out. Yeah, it was pretty erratic, as I said. I was just kind of like running around this morning thinking, oh, this would be, be good. I'll just get this back going and talk to someone with a bit of positivity and see what he's up to and get his thoughts on life and see where it takes us. <laughs> Oh, very good. Great to be back on. What have you been doing? What's today had in plan for you so far? Yeah, good day today. I um, got up and had a coffee as normal. I was going to go for my run because I tend to, on my running days now, I tend to um, go out first thing, but I wasn't quite feeling it. I had a like a pretty heavy 
uh, strength workout yesterday and a hard session on the bike. And so I thought I might do some yoga. So I thought I'd start getting back into yoga again because I'm having a few issues with my with my dodgy hip and just mobility and everything like that. It doesn't affect me running, but just in everyday life it does. So I thought I'll, I'll do some yoga again. So I did half an hour of yoga, had some breakfast, um, did some housework, did a few hours of uni work and then uh, and then went for a beautiful trail run and then had some lunch and now I'm here. Yeah, right. So let's fill the listeners in where you're up to with your running. What's the, uh, what's the latest with the injury? Well, it's been, uh, I, I was just having a scroll back to see when we last chatted and it was December 2017, I think we last chatted. Oh, um, really? A whole year? Yeah. Yeah, that would be it right. Would... Yeah, crazy. so we were, we were there and I think I, I, maybe, maybe I'd been diagnosed back then with all the issues with the the reds and like the relative energy deficiency syndrome and the sacral fractures and the osteopenia and all that kind of stuff i think that probably happened around that time i reckon um or yeah yeah pretty close to it i think so i had about a year of well not running really i had um i i was made to I was made to put on a heap of weight to sort of offset the the energy deficiency syndrome, which is sort of I've seen so many people with it since, and I've heard about it. Like Dave McNeil yeah, in your last, last chat week. had it. Dane Verway uh, put a blog on it. Did you read that on Run Culture? Yeah, yeah, read Dane's blog on it. Um, then I was listening to you chat with Mario Frioli this morning, yeah. and he had a version of it as well. And yeah, so it's, it's actually pretty common, just not as well diagnosed in male athletes. I think it was more commonly just thought of as a female thing, but yeah, it's definitely out there with the with the men as well. I didn't really have the, I didn't have the eating disorder side of it. I just underestimated how much fuel I was needing for the amount of energy I was putting out. So yeah, that was um, yeah, it was probably. Uh, eight or nine months there where I didn't wasn't really allowed to do much at all about three or four months I wasn't allowed to do anything but just sort of walk, um, walk a little bit um, so that tied in sort of with I started up uh, university last year so I'm studying um, a bachelor of education to be a, a primary school teacher so that's been a big change in my life um, and that came at a really good time because it gave me something else to focus on because I wasn't allowed to wasn't allowed to run or, or walk or do anything for a few months and all I had to eat eat like I was training full time so that was a really challenging uh, uh, start to, to last year How'd you go with that eating? I had to pretty much, it wasn't what I was eating everything I was eating was fine so you know, I was, you know the vegan diet wasn't the issue, it was just that I just wasn't getting enough of it and to offset or you know reverse the red stuff I just had to, I had to pretty much eat, I had like 5 or 6 protein shakes a day on top of my normal meals so I was pretty much eating every couple of hours it was just it was awful like you know because I wasn't that hungry because I wasn't exercising uh, I wasn't burning calories and like you know just before I went to bed I'd have to check my app because I was having to document everything in a in the Monash app to see um, you know what I'd eaten that day and how many calories there were and that kind of stuff and so I'd get to 10 o'clock at night and realize I was still 600 calories short and I'd have to go on have a, a big protein shake and a couple of pieces of toast with peanut butter on it and it just felt like a bit of a a bit of a slob for a while there. Yeah, just throwing stuff down. I've been at a similar I don't think was to the same extreme, but um just same thing, like my dietitian just saying, do not let your weight drop under fifty eight. Like so just constantly on the scales, trying to be heavier than fifty eight, which is harder said than done. Like you feel like you're just overeating all the time and it's not enjoyable at all. 
Yeah, no. And that was a shame because I, I love I love eating and I love food and I love cooking and all that kind of stuff, but it became a chore. Like eating became a real chore, having to watch what I was eating or how much I was eating. But it, look, it, it, seemed to, it seemed to work because I got back to running in maybe June or July that year. Yeah, last year, I think I got back to running after a heap of rehab. So a lot of swimming and a lot of gym work and a lot of work on the bike and, and a, a pretty big prehab. Um, and I, I went through the walk run protocol, you know, like probably only every two or three days I was walking or running. Uh, like walk runs, like one minute on, four minutes off, that kind of stuff. And I did that for a month or two and then got back to 20-minute jogs. I think I was overseas at the time. We were in Scotland and then Greece. And so I was running every two or three days there for like 20 or 30 minutes. And it felt hard because I was still – I was about – I think I got up to about 72 kilos. Yeah, right. What were last, you before you, when, before you stopped running? My last, my last race, which was Gold Coast in 2017, I was 59 kilos – Whoa! And, yeah, and, right. yeah, which is too little. Like I look back at the photos of me there, and I look, I just look terrible. I look so skinny, uh, but I just didn't realise. Because so, once you, when you're in it, you don't really, you don't look at yourself in the mirror that much. You don't realise how much you've lost, or because you know you you get to a start line of a race like that, and pretty much everybody's skinny except for, you know, you got somebody like um, Dion who I was running with, who's you know just a a muscle man like you know apart from him you know we all look pretty scrawny and and ordinary so I, it didn't I didn't feel like I was that out of the ordinary but looking back now I can see it, it wasn't it wasn't healthy at all yeah to trap because you surround yourself with those people all the time like I could go through all the people I follow on Instagram and most of them are marathon runners and that becomes the the normal for me to look at those people and kind of judge yourself on them yep yep totally so um that was a bit of an adjustment and carrying that extra weight around i mean i'm not i'm not going to be weightist or anything about that but it, it did feel challenging because you know you're used to getting around i think i was probably 60 or 61 when i stopped running back in december um so it was still you know 11 or 12 kilos of extra weight and um i i sort of i was enjoying the jogs a little bit it never felt really comfortable and then but i just kept ticking away at it and then we got back to about 50 k's a week over like a two or three month period I think and started adding in like some threshold sessions you know like a 10 minute warm-up and a a 20 minute block at a certain sort of effort or pace and then a a cool down but that never felt good like I never felt like I was running naturally and um, like you know the first session I was only averaging like 4.15s for that what was like a threshold session and I felt like I was running 3.30s like it just felt terrible Mm. Um, really really unnatural and it all started to become a bit of a chore. Like I, I just didn't enjoy getting out the door as much. Like I was going out and running because I, I just thought that was what I was meant to do. And but I wasn't really enjoying the jogs, and I was having to train by myself a lot because you know my little my smaller jogs and sessions weren't really fitting in with any of my mates down here. And so I just sort of I got a little bit negative about it. And then and then with with a few other things like I mean running's part of your life but there's also the balance of everything else that goes with it and I just don't think I had a very good balance at that time I was getting used to being a, a student for the first time in 20 years you know and you know sitting exams and and assessments and the pressure of that and then uh, my wife Lindsay's work was sort of off the show um, so busy and trying to help her you know maintain a, a decent sort of lifestyle outside of work and 
and then a few personal issues that we had going on at the time and then we had sick pets who were you know sort of like our family and we we had a, a lot going on and at some stage during that I started getting a lot of pain in my in my left leg um like and running just started feeling really really awkward again and I just thought we just thought it was all nerve related like I'd had before and so we just sort of ran through it I saw my physio and he was like oh I think it'll be okay I think it'll just settle down and it was, and I started running with a really bad gait, and it felt really uncomfortable even to run a few hundred metres, and I kept thinking something wasn't right, and so I went back and saw him again, and I'd already stopped running by that stage, and he had a bit of a, a feel around in my in the front of my machine, and he was like, yeah, actually, that doesn't feel too good, so I went and had an MRI, and I had a um, like a stress fracture in my post tibia. Oh. And it was it was only tiny, like a, it wasn't much, but it was certainly enough to throw the body out. And you know, when that happened, I, I knew it was buggered again. When I, it was a similar scenario to last time, I was in for just a quick MRI, and I went in there, and I was in there for ages again. And the guy came out, and he goes, "Oh, we're just gonna just gonna take a few more images. Don't want to alarm you or anything, but you know, I reckon we'll just take a few more images, and you're right to come back in." And like I was already dressed at this stage, and I had to go back in and get undressed and do it again and like he's like yeah so yeah it looks like there's um a stress fracture there and i'm like oh fuck here we go yeah. again <laughs> it's not what you want to hear <laughs> yeah i was like all right i was look to be honest i actually knew it yeah i was in Adelaide the week i was in there i was in Adelaide the week before and I, i'd stopped running already Lindsay was there for a conference and i was just riding to the pool and swimming and that's where we did your um that's right the coverage of berlin wasn't it we did the coverage of berlin from the hotel room there and and I already knew that something wasn't right because I just couldn't walk properly even. Like, it was hurting to walk down to the shops and things like that. And I thought, oh, this is this is buggered. And so uh, I, I, the fact that I stopped a couple of weeks before I saw my physio again probably saved it from being a complete stress fracture, like cut going all the way through the bone. So, yeah, I had another – I mean, that, that kind of injury is meant to be like a six- to eight-week recovery, like pretty short, but I guess due to my – you know, due to my uh, issues with my, my health and all that kind of stuff, maybe my bones aren't, you know, uh, re- repairing as well as they could be because it took, like, even three months down the track, it was still sore and I still hadn't tried running yet. And then we it was still a little bit sore and I couldn't hop properly, but we thought, oh, we'll give it a shot. We'll see if we can do some walk runs. And I started doing that and that felt like absolute junk. Like, it just felt terrible. I think I got maybe two or three sessions into that walk run program and just called my physio and said mate this feels like shit i don't enjoy it i can't run properly like if you'd seen me walking running down the street i was embarrassed by how i looked because i felt like i was all hitched up and i i couldn't i just couldn't run fluidly at all and it was just it just felt like it wasn't fun and the the main reason i wanted to get back to running this time around wasn't to compete or anything it was just to enjoy the process of going for a jog and I couldn't do it. So I just went, oh, no, I'm out. And he went, okay, well, if you don't want to do it or you're not enjoying it, just stop doing it. And that was about November last year, I think. Yeah, because we spoke about that on the show, I think, this week. Like being like locked up and not feeling it is worse than actually being injured in the first place. Like it's pretty, pretty depressing out there when you can't get in your groove. Yeah, it's like what Brad's going through at the moment. And, you know, in my head I'm telling him just – take a break mate because you know you're just beating yourself up because you don't enjoy the process it becomes more stressful and you just add stress onto that and and so i just went right yeah well um it doesn't feel good i don't enjoy it i'm actually i was starting to really enjoy cross training like i was swimming a fair 
bit and I was doing uh, some water running with a mate of mine and doing some hard sessions and I was enjoying that and I was back to like I could walk twice a day with my dog and that didn't hurt at all and I was enjoying being able to do that and you know so I was just like well maybe maybe I'm just not meant to run again you know it's just one of those things and I sort of came to terms with that I think and we're about to go overseas the next month anyway for a a family holiday with my wife's family and I wanted to be able to walk properly over there and you know not being able to go for a walk go for a walk around a new city because I was too injured and we were going to go skiing and I I wanted to make sure that you know I could I could ski because I hadn't done that since I was a kid and I was looking forward to that and so I just went right I won't bother running won't even think about it and I didn't I didn't even think about it I went to the gym a few times or over there and swam a bit and went skiing and and then um I got the flu just before we left. Like uh, we all got the flu, and I came home, and a couple of days later, we the Cabri Marathon was on down here. Yeah. And a really good mate of mine, Riley Wolf, was coming down and having a crack at his first proper marathon. And you know, I, I put my hand up a long time before uh, saying that I would help him out in any way I could. And so, even though I was so sick, like it was hard to get out of bed, I went <laughs> out there and picked him, went and picked him up, and got there for a six a.m. start and hopped on the hopped on the cruiser on the bike and you know just passed him drinks when he needed it and some gels and just kept him company he had another great mate andy Sargent, um the two guys behind uh tempo journal and and hunter ar and so he was keeping him he was doing all his splits for him and just like a metronome it was great and we just had a, a chat for a few hours and while i felt terrible it was such a great experience to be able to help out other people and you know see them achieve running goals and he ran so well and it was it was really great and we finished that and i was lying on the the grass out at cabri just feeling pretty wrecked and a mate's kid came up to me and said andy chase me across the oval race me and i went okay so i jumped up and ran across the oval and came back and then i said to the boys jesus that didn't hurt yeah first time in two years that was the first time i'd realized like i hadn't even thought about running because i'd totally given up on it and then I tried hopping, which I hadn't been able to do for probably six or seven months, and I could hop again. I was just like, fuck, this is exciting. And I, I sort of, from that next day, I went, right, oh, well, as soon as I get over this flu, I'm going to I'm gonna try walk running again. I didn't go back and see my physio or anything because by this stage, I know my body pretty well, and I was just like, right, well, it feels good, and, you know, I'm not going to do anything stupid. And so I just started on the protocol again, you know, it started off as a one-minute run and a four-minute walk and I did that every couple of days for a couple of weeks and by the end of it um, it was like a four-minute run and one-minute walk and I was running nearly a K in those four minutes and feeling amazing like and like nothing I'd felt for the last year and a half like it just everything just clicked and everything felt smooth and it felt comfortable and enjoyable and it was just like it was like all the nerves had settled down, like the, the nervous system in my le- in my leg and back had settled and maybe my head was in the right space for it and there was no pressure or expectations about what I was going to do and so everything just felt great again. Yeah, there's something in that like that headspace of just saying, nah, that's it, not even worrying about running for this period of time and then all of a sudden your body can kind of prepare itself. I don't know, there's got to be some relationship there where you're still unconsciously thinking about it when you have races on or you're trying to push through an injury yeah well because there was i mean there was obviously a lot of nerve stuff going on still and you know that the nerve pathway where around the old injury and down through my back just wouldn't quit and i wouldn't like wouldn't even allow me to hop on one leg um 
you know, late last year. Like I could hold onto the side of a wall at my physio and couldn't even hop up and down. Like there was just something in the way and it, sometimes it just takes a long time for the, the nervous system to settle down and, and mine just took a long time. And I guess I, I reckon stress is involved in that as well and, you know, the fact that I've now had a couple of months off from uni assessments and things like that and not worrying about running and, and being in a head, better headspace mentally as well, you know, I, I was just able to, to cope with it a little bit better. Yeah, definitely something in that. How's um how's uni going and why school teaching? Um, well, uni's great. Like um, it was. I had some pretty stressful times and I went to some pretty dark places last year just because it was so new to me and I was never a good student. Like I really, not that I was, you not strike me as a switched on guy. You'd be like a perfect uh, student. No, I was terrible as a as You're a like kid. A, a like, rebel at school, giving the teachers trouble. Absolutely, yeah, yeah I was right. terrible terrible growing up like it wasn't that I was uh, dumb or anything like that like I could do the work I just didn't do the work and and so um going into this year I just honestly didn't even know or last year I didn't even know what I was going to be able to do the the idea came around like when I was not last year the year before my first year back in Tassie when I was managing some of the junior state teams and going away to nationals with them and I was away with the junior teams a couple of times and I just found myself, I just got along so well with the kids and just seemed to have so much fun with them and they, they listened to me and, you know, I sort of understood them because even though I'm like nearly 40 now, I'm sort of a, a bit of a kid myself and maybe I can relate to them a little bit better than some other managers or coaches. And I was like, oh, that was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then I've got a lot of mates who are who are primary school teachers as well and it just seemed like a, a sort of good lifestyle and I wanted something challenging to do and so I sat down with a mate who's a teacher and um, we rode up because I'm because I'm so old I had to I, you know I can't go through the normal route to get into uni I had to write uh, like an essay application of and and show them my my sort of life history and all that kind of stuff and so we did that really late like January of last year I think and just it was so late and then, yeah, I got accepted. And so I had a, like a week or so before uni started to get into uni mode. So, yeah, it's been really good. What's it like sitting in classes with like 18-year-olds? Well, that's the beauty of it. I'm studying... Oh, it's um, all online? Studying online through UTAS. Yeah, oh, okay. it's, only, it's only offered in Launceston um, education. And so there was there was no way I was moving to Lonnie to study. So, um, so it's been really good for me because, yeah, I mean, I'm a very different person now than I was as a kid. I'm really organised and... I love structure and all that kind of stuff. So I just treat it like a job now. You know, I, I do it all day, Monday to Friday, and, you know, just tick off all the boxes. And, yeah, I've really enjoyed writing. I always enjoyed writing. And so just being, uh, you know, working out how to write essays and all that kind of stuff has been interesting. But it's turned out really well, yeah. Had a great, great first year. I think I had, like, a distinction average over the year. And, yeah, it was great. And is it still, like, a four-year course? Yeah, four-year course, so one year down. I'm, I've just started my second year this year. Beautiful. What else has been happening in the life of Andy Allison? Well, that's pretty much it. I've, I've been a bit of a man of leisure of um, the last couple of months being on school holidays, so that's been really good, and it's sort of tied in really well because Lindsay's so busy with, with work. She's doing a lot of um, on-call work, and she's also finishing off her research project, which she has to do for her fellowship, and so she's been pretty stressed with that and doing that every night after work and and she also um she's chairing a lot of committees and setting up conferences and all that kind of stuff so it's been a really good balance to 
you know, being able to get back into exercise for me and sort of maintain everything at home for her. So, you know, she has a, uh, you know, a, a stress-free time outside of work. So that's worked really well for both of us. And I think there's that balance um, that we have there that works really well that, you know, I can do all that other stuff to allow her to do what she loves to do. And, you know, while we, you know, I'm not working, so she's sort of the, she's sort of the bank but that works well because we you know that extra bit of money you know i don't think you can really make up for it with the with the time and so i think we've we've coped quite well on one income and just having a better balance in our life you know i'm in a i'm in a much better headspace because of it as well and yeah it's really hard to put a price on that i think oh mate you're talking to the converted after not being at work for like i don't know about three weeks four weeks into the school year 100 percent agree with you about the whole like you know you don't need that amount of money and just having all those little things done around the house and actually having your head switched on and not being stressed to the eyeballs is worth way more than that extra thousand bucks anyway oh and i totally uh i put i put that as one of the the main things that's allowed me to come back to running and being able to enjoy it because i don't have that external stress building up or internal stress building up at all you know i've got time to to maintain the house and walk the dog and cook nice food every night and so we're eating well and you know just looking after each other better yeah 100 percent, 100 percent agree with you hey uh what was it like down at run the bridge on the weekend pretty good environment oh, down there your video is oh, killing so, it oh, it's so good like it's so, like it's my favorite fun run for a number of reasons i mean i've run my pb there on a day when i thought i was you know wasn't going to be able to go to the start line i was there i was i was just you were there yep that was when we did our first um, it was that same day first tell me your tales interview yep so you know i got to meet you in person and we had it was just such a great day and such a great memory and it's such a great course like being able to run from point to point you get to you know you get to see the whole city and run over the bridge and into the docks like it's just a, a really awesome event and it's so well pumped up like richard does it. it's an amazing job as race director you know they've got helicopters flying over they've got live streams and videos at the finish and commentary like it's just so well built up and such an interesting course and then to have the opportunity to go in the lead car that video came around by by accident actually because i was in the lead car meant to be the spotter so we take off following the the women of course because they're in front of the men because of the the uh the battle of the sexes so the women have they start i think it was like three minutes 44 which is the difference between the men's and the women's record they start that far apart and the men chase them down there's extra money um up for grabs for whoever crosses over the line first and so we're we're following the lead women and the the car we're in had all this advertising signage over the back of it so i couldn't actually see out of the car <laughs> so i just started putting my my phone up on sort of selfie mode so i could actually see where millie and the girls were at any time and tell the driver to speed up or slow down i was relaying um race splits and moves back to the commentary team who were down at the dock so that was pretty cool and then we're getting to the edge of the bridge like keeping in mind like normally that the men get the women maybe right at the finish like it's happened like in the the last hundred meters or so and this year they caught them on the bridge and it was incredible to watch i think i had the video going at that stage where we've seen millie there at the bottom of the bridge and then um harry's just thumping down the side of the bridge with uh with robbo in in tow and yeah i just sort of kept it on i wasn't really thinking too much about it but i thought oh, a few people might like to watch this not that i've got huge amounts of following on instagram but um i started putting it up and then 
then hopped out of the car so I could get a better look at the finish because I knew we weren't going to be able to take the car to the finish. And you got to see just how fast these guys are going. And mm. from a street street level, you can see how much effort they're putting in. And, you know, when I saw the first two guys come past and I saw Liam come past and I thought, man, he is absolutely stomping. And I've ne- I haven't seen him race that aggressively in so long and looks so good. So that was great. And then I got to the finish line and I saw like Benny Saint there. So I just thought I'd go over and have a chat to him and then it just went from there i just left it on i wasn't really even thinking about it yeah it was good because um i think nearly everyone you spoke to would kind of already spoken about on the show in some way or another in the last 12 months so it was kind of for our listeners to be able to see that and identify that oh that's that guy that they were talking about there or that's the person that filled in that time like benny saints kind of case was and yeah it was kind of cool just to i think we're slowly like building the personalities of these guys and every time we get some kind of media and it's one thing to do it audio but it's a whole another thing to get some video of them to kind of show the listeners exactly what they look like and how they speak and yeah you were kind of in the in the war zone right at the finish line there yeah, and it was, it was because it was so natural. I think that's why people have really engaged with it as well. Like when I posted it up to the Inside Running Facebook, like it's had some ridiculous amount of views now, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's had like seven thousand or something. Yeah, that's so. in, that's in, that's incredible. It just shows to show that people want access to to these runners, and you know we need to build up their uh, you know their following because they're doing amazing things. Like it's a really special time in in Australian running, and like. Brett Robinson running 28.30 over that course is just phenomenal, you know, and it, they should have a profile and they, you know, it's really it's really good to, to see people getting around them and getting excited and, you know, being able to then relay or relate that to when they go and do a park run on the weekend or go and do a 10K and realise just how ridiculous 28 minutes is for a 10K over a, over a hilly course. Yeah, I did a bit of stuff with Mario again this morning for his podcast and kind of talking about he was really interested in the... Australian running scene and kind of how we work over here and the culture of like we have a lot of participation kind of focus and kind of yeah. fundraising with running focus but these guys often get forget forgotten that they're kind of running you know she was running 1304 like how amazing kind of is a performance like that and trying to make it meaningful for the audience out there yeah well it's not very well done is it but you know there are some guys out there who are trying to change that and that you know that's it's not me talking them up because they're mates of mine or anything, but, you know, um, Riley and, and Andy uh, at Tempo Journal, are, you know, are changing, <clears throat> are changing the face of that, you know, by giving us access to these, these guys and, and, you know, really profiling them in, the, in a way that they deserve. I think it's been great, and I think Tempo's getting a, a huge following, and they're, they're really putting in the effort, you know, they're travelling, you know, they're going to falls in winter, they're, they're going overseas to watch some run and, and document it, and I think that's really helping. Mm. And it's like, it's good-looking content too. I think Moose said it the other week on the show, like it makes running look really cool. Yeah, well, you know, I guess for us, we think it is cool, but, you know, for the majority of people, it probably doesn't. So they're certainly lifting that profile of it as well, and running is I think having a bit of a resurgence as well and you see it all over the world that you know um, you know like the Lost Boys in New York and you've got all those other groups like in Berlin like they're running is a pretty cool culture and I think it maybe it's starting to catch on here a little bit yeah it's like I don't know those guys still really respect that elite end as well like it's kind of sometimes with those crews and like influences on Instagram involved and things like that it's still about 
I don't know, that participation kind of thing. Let's just get people active. But it's like those temple guy, tempo guys really want to talk about and, and um, feature that, yeah, awesome top-end performance. Yeah, I think they're doing a great job of it. I mean, you know, it, it, it ties in with what you guys are doing as well, lifting the profile of all these athletes and, and, and making them more, you know, household names as well. So I think it's all working well together. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where we... Like, our interviewee list is pretty... I don't know if it's sustainable. We've kind of um, we're hitting all the biggest names in Australian distance running, but it's probably going to get to a, a stop at some stage there where we're going to run out of people. So it'll be interesting to see what we do with the interviews. And it's been good trying to dig up some some older guys and girls like Krishna was great the other day and Mel Norwood and kind of hearing some of their stories as well. But yeah, it'll be an interesting time when we're I don't know if we're still going when we do our 200th episode or 150th episode to see who we're getting on for the interview then. Yeah, well, we might find some new people coming out. I mean, there's still heaps of people, like, that were down here on the weekend that, you know, people don't know. Like, you know, I've never met Harry Summers before or Jordan Guzman, and they're pretty interesting guys, and so they've got pretty interesting stories to tell as well. So I think there's plenty more out there, and mm. hopefully there'll be, there'll be more and more, especially now you're seeing how successful these guys are being. I think it's only going to create um, more guys running and more girls running quicker. Like you look at, um, what was it, that um, 3K the other week where five or six guys went under eight minutes. Like, yeah, you know, Box Hill Classic. Yeah, Box Hill. We haven't seen that for a long time. And, and the, the fact that they're getting live streams to all these meets now is really good and that's improving every time they do it. Like it was, it was a bit patchy early on, but, you know, it's really improving every time they do it and people are seeing benefit from it. So hopefully that keeps growing and we'll just... We'll, keep, we'll, we'll see more and more kids, you know, running fast and, and making it a, a, a career for themselves. Yeah, what I loved about um, that Vic Miles one, did you watch that on Tuesday night? That nah, stream? I missed it. Nah, yeah. I missed it. So, no, we were recording, but I went back and had a look at it. And um, they must have put, like, the men's A800 and then the, uh, the females A800 and then the two A miles all together. So you could tune in for 20 minutes, watch all the A races, and stay for the other ones if you wanted to. Otherwise, you could kind of, you know, sometimes when you tune into a live stream and you kind of got to set alarms on your phone because the 5K is on at yeah. 7.20 and then the 800's on at 9.10 and then and you're sitting there with your wife trying to watch some Netflix and she's cracking it because you're changing the channel every 35 minutes to watch four minutes worth of running <laughs> and then you've got to go back again. That's kind of frustrating as a running fan. Like, I don't, you know, I don't get excited about throws or jumps or sprinting. No. So it's kind of like that's a whole another sport for me so i don't want it cutting into my coverage of a 5k race yeah that's really good that they're doing that because i understand that you know there are people out there who will want to watch those other races so they're there if they want to tune into them but the majority of people who are watching are after those sort of events aren't they the Mm. eights the 15s the miles that kind of stuff yeah well it wouldn't happen with any other sport i don't think like you watch a a elite swimming meet and it's kind of the A grade final kind of thing. It's not 20 different uh, swimming races or you turn the AFL on, you're just seeing the high level stuff. You're not seeing the country footy on the TV as well. So something yeah, different about true. athletics uh, to that one. But um, yeah, it's good. What else you noticing about running culture in Australia? Um, Getting excited about these boys stepping up to the marathon? Oh, I reckon that's the best, isn't it? Like, um, like to see Jack Rayner having a crack so early while he's still you know, in, you know, on the up. Um, we haven't seen anybody do that for a long time. I mean, Robbo's still running really well again. He's had a couple of years 
off, but now he's back running really well. But for Jack to be like, Jack's still got big improvements to make. But the fact that he's going to have a crack early, I think, is awesome for the sport. I want to throw a time out there? What are they got to run? Brad and Jack. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, if it's not if it's not hot again, I reckon Brett can go pretty quick. Sort of maybe. I reckon he's going to have another crack at sub two ten for sure. Um, I reckon maybe. 210 30 yeah yeah and jack jeez i don't know what jack could do depends on what he chooses to how he how he races it because it could be anything couldn't he i mean he's run it's run 61 minutes for a half 61. now it's insane <laughs> it seems insane from where he's come from like you know he wasn't the year before he wasn't he wasn't good enough to go overseas to race like you know according to his coach and oh, the year before and, that i was racing him at av he was back with yeah, me running like 66s <laughs> man he had some good sprint finishes imagine oh, how good great. i feel now he's put five minutes into me over the half oh it's crazy and he's such a he's such a great he's such a great fella as well i'm so happy to see him running so well he's always been really good um geez what could he run i mean i i i don't know if he's done as much training like marathon specific training but i guess they're doing yeah. a block now but it'll be whether or not that block gets him ready enough for that last five or six k's of london yeah you're following London. On london no i'm off strava at the oh, moment oh you're fully <laughs> off totally off yeah i knew you yeah. uh weren't putting stuff up but i wasn't sure if you were checking checking what yeah. other people were doing Nah, look, I needed to have a break from it, uh, not just for uh, putting my own stuff up there, but just getting caught up with it all. I, I had to distance myself from running for a little bit because I, I really wasn't enjoying it, and so I did step away from it for a little bit, and yeah, I don't really see much on Strava as well. So what, what's Jack up to? You tell me what he's up to, and then I'll, uh, I've got then it I'll make a call. Got it open now. He did 6 by 3 k today, and uh, what was he doing those at 9.10 pace, so like 3.04 kind of pace average um yeah they're doing some like marathon specific stuff which is it's good to see what do you do the other day 40 minute warm-up and then into 2k 1k 1k 2k 1k 1k so still hitting that top end speed but um they just seem to be tiring the legs he was up at fernie the other week i think i saw and um yeah kind of doing two hours 20 up there and i think he kicked down a long run up there the other week like it's solid 20 minutes at the end of it so they're yeah doing a definitely like a strength based kind of program rather than just concentrating on that really top end speed. Okay, he's going to run. He'll run two oh nine twenty. Two oh nine. He's going to break two ten. First yep. guy since Troopy. Yep. Yeah. Right. He's got the he's got the talent too. It might be a bit early, um, but it might not. You know, I mean, none of us thought he was going to run sixty one and win the that Commonwealth half marathon in Wales either. So um, if he can, and he seems to love the road, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, like what do you run? He ran another 61 over in Japan a couple of weeks ago as well. Like it wasn't yeah. a fluke when he did that at um, the Com Games. Yep, so there you go, Jack. Don't let me down. Yeah, good luck. What else? What about the female side of things? It's pretty heavy over there at the moment. It's yeah, going to be interesting awesome. to see. It's kind of a cool time because... Like, you got that knowledge out of Liam that he wasn't going to be focusing on world champs. It'd be interesting to see who who goes for world champs. Michael Shelley, haven't heard anything from him. Not sure what he's doing. We kind of know what Liam's doing. And then you've just got this whole bunch of guys, like, just trying to nail a sub-216. So who we got? Who, who, who? who in that group is running London? Is anybody waiting that long, or 
everybody hitting up Japan first. Well, first up, who was the other person named to run Com Games? I've got to ask this question today. Like, we had Liam and Shelley. Who was our third one that pulled out? I could not remember it for the for the sake yeah, of Yeah, um, Brad's mate ran with him the other day. Brad's mate. Oh, yes. Hamer. Yeah, Hamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's why I couldn't remember. He's only done a couple of them. He's only done the one, I think, hadn't he, and hit the qualifying time. Yeah. Oh, he did it easy. Yeah, did it easy and then had that uh, stress fracture, didn't he? Yeah, and he's still, yeah, still struggling to get back. Still That's right, Chris Hamer. Um, because, yeah, I was kind of saying in this other interview, like we've got Michael Shelley and Liam Adams who are one and two, like quite some minutes clear of everybody else, but then we've got 10 guys lining up to try and nab a spot or maybe three spots if they can get under 216 if those other two boys don't want to go so like Biwa is pretty loaded um Brett Liner from Japan or Japan Running News he put that on his Twitter the other day the start list and who was there like Tom Decano Moose um Brad Milosevic um Reese Edwards maybe yeah maybe five of us oh Nick Earl in there as well um and myself, like that was the Australian guy. And there's one guy from Ireland, I think, Thomas Fraser, who's ran like a 217 as well. So that's going to be, it's almost going to be like a world champs qualifying race with those 216 boys throwing it out there. Yeah, well, could it end up like a race? I mean, are they brave enough to do it that way? Like, uh, like who goes? Who makes the pace? I mean, is, is Thomas probably the quickest out of all them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brad's 216 and Reese is 216 as well, and Moose 216, obviously. So, Yeah, I reckon Reese will improve on that for sure, as long as he's recovered from um, that ultra. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that as well. And Yugi's in shape. Like, he ran a good run at Zatapak, like low 29, and that World Cross yep. Country trial was pretty impressive. So he must be fit as well. So it could be um, interesting. And I guess when you go head-to-head with these guys at um, – the spots really do, the positions you finish in the race really do matter. You can't say, oh, it was 20 seconds in front of me, but I was on a hilly course or a windier day or whatever. Like, it's going to be head-to-head. Jeez, that's going to be an exciting race, isn't it? Mm, it is. Tom's pretty fit. Tom DeCano's killing stuff at the moment. But, well, uh, let's they're say, all, let's they're say all fit. Shelley, Shelley, you think Shelley will go? Uh, I don't know. I, I, As a guy who works on a running podcast and, like, tries to follow as much running content as possible no idea i have no inside knowledge at all like julian because he doesn't mind going to run one yeah he doesn't mind turning up to tough races like you know for championships he likes winning stuff doesn't he but um you know like you think of delhi uh com games and all that like he doesn't mind going where it's not going to be fast he just likes to compete i think doesn't he 100 percent. he can run like a 212 on a tough day Yep. And, um, yeah, or 214 on a tough day, which is worth a 210 or 212 and, and pick up a medal. So, yeah, he's – but as I said, haven't heard his name since Commonwealth Games last year. I think that had a bit of a toll on him, like probably some of that backlash off the Callum Hawkins incident. Yeah, true. So, not sure. I keep asking Brad to get him. Brad knows him pretty well. Maybe i just got to get a message or an email to him or something just to give us a tiny little statement to know what he's doing. But, yeah, you say let's – yeah, let's say he doesn't want to go. He's going to focus on Olympics. And then you've got, yeah, Tom, Brad, Moose, Reese, Collis is going to run um, Hamburg. Is he? Yeah, yeah. I got announced unofficially on our show this oh, week. Did you hear that? Did. Yeah, I did actually. Moose told us about two weeks ago. Now nah, I can't say anything. Uh, nah, bang, just announces it. Hamburg. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 
And I think his with his intention, oh, I'd be assuming so. No knowledge here that he wants to wants to make a team for the marathon. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Oh, it's it's really good. I mean, you think um, what, two was it two years ago? You know, I mean, you you ran two seventeen and you're in. Yeah, yeah, and two years before that, I think it was Beijing World Champs, and they pretty much said if anyone can run under 218 we're taking you like we just want someone to do it because no one wanted to go and no one else was no one else was having a crack at it yeah there goes the window Mm. we'll see it's good exciting times so good that they've set these standards like setting that 219 for a couple of years just gave guys you know those kind of semi-elite guys the opportunity to um kind of put this time on the board and, and chase it yeah, it's great, um, and like it, it sort of it opened it up to a lot of guys who probably weren't thinking of it. Like you know, somebody like Julian who probably wasn't thinking about making a world champs team, but you know, he just kept on improving, and then thought, all I want to do is get a qualifier. I don't expect to go to the world champs. I just want to get under that mark. Gets under that mark, and now he's you know improving, you know, every month with his training, and so he could he's a realistic um, chance now, which is just incredible. Yeah, and there's boys going around Tokyo next weekend as well, like Craig Appleby and Dion, and um, yeah. Cheers. I mean, Apple's Apple's could run pretty quick too. If you go if you go by his, okay, his right. ten and his half time, yeah. and he, he seems to have been putting a pretty good block together. I read his blogs through Run Culture every week, and he seems to be, you know, training pretty smart. Yeah, hundred percent. He's another guy who could. Yeah, he's a sixty-five or sixty-four minute half marathon guy. Like he's yeah, he's, he's, he's got the talent runner. there, and he's pretty tough. So. Yeah, he could have the breakthrough as well. So, I don't know, watch his space. Good time to be involved in marathoning in Australia. Sure is. What else is going on, mate? What else do we have on our list to talk about? I don't have that uh, at the moment. Let me um, get... You're asking me about books, but oh, I'm yeah. still waiting. The books, well, you said you were going to send me a couple of so I'm still waiting oh, for those in the post. Which yeah. one was I going to mail you? I'm going to write it okay. down now. And okay. I can't, can't even remember. I've ordered, I've ordered a couple through the library, but they must be pretty popular because I'm still waiting for them to turn up. So in between, I've just been reading a lot of um, a lot of fiction, to be honest, because um, I knew I was coming. I think I got, I think I got all worn out from uni reading last year because it was you know so content heavy in your first year of teaching. That I think I got I got over all the facts and stuff like that, and so I've just been reading light stuff of late. Yeah, like fiction and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just easy reads, but I'm I'm sort of back into the books now and studying some really interesting subjects this term, like. Um, design and technology but it's not it's sort of the subject's not really about technology as you think it as in as in like you know phones and computers and things like that it's about how we've adapted over the years and you know why we use things and how we use them and getting kids more creative at a younger age because apparently design technology just hasn't been taught until high school up until now and they're, they're sort of bringing it into the primary school now to create you know more creative minds and get people thinking a little bit differently as well so it looks like there's going to be some interesting concepts around that and uh, another subjects about positive learning environment so that's really interesting about the psychology of how you set up your classrooms and how to react with different different students so yeah there's some really interesting content so that's what i'll be reading for the next couple of months yeah right that's uh yeah that whole environment stuff is huge i think and you chuck the technology and you know what devices do the kids have in the classroom and what websites they're allowed in onto and all that kind of social media stuff it can create a very interesting environment if you're trying to do some teaching in there yep what about um 
what about your year? I mean, what's what's your year going to look like now, and how do you think you'll you'll adjust to not working full time? Do you think that's going to be a, a positive? Yeah, it's a it's a good positive. I think it kind of needed to happen. I was kind of doing six things okay and nothing well, just trying yep. to fit it in. And people like probably haven't explained it well on inside running, but with the podcast, like the work that we put into the podcast, and I do the production and the social media and all that kind of stuff around it, it kind of adds up pretty quick so it kind of takes a few hours to nail all that back-end stuff every week and organizing guests and even when you do an interview like you got to put in a good amount of time researching people and just digging into their backstory so you know what to talk about otherwise you come across a bit a bit vague sometimes so the podcast work keeps me busy for a bit of time the coaching's going really well we've run to pb like with zacker and mattress and Gemma. we're kind of really enjoying kind of um not so much elite end stuff, like a couple of guys running close to 2.30 for the marathon, and we've found a lot of people who have just wanted to break like 20 minutes for 5K, uh, for example. I've seen those stories. I mean, that, that must be such a thrill for you guys as, as a coaching team to be, you know, because there's more of those people out there than there are sub-2.30 guys. You Mate. know, this. You know. Yeah. It's crazy good. It's uh, like Jason and Josh, two guys I coach from not far from Echuca. Like I remember they signed up, kind of signed up together. We're both going to do the same training, wanted to break 20 minutes in like, I think it was Feb last year. And sometimes you forget because you just get used to their progression and you have to flick back on their Strava and stuff. And yeah, like now they're, they're smashing that, like smash 20 minutes, come to Echuca for park run, paced them through. And now, like, they went to Shepparton at the Shep Running Festival and broke 40 minutes for, well, Jason actually broke 39 minutes. And then you kind of got to remember that these are guys that just wanted to do that for 5K and now they're doing it easily for 10. And kind of then they, you can see they get focused on a half marathon and have a good run there. And realistically, like, these guys stick to it. They'll, they'll be kind of chasing the sub three-hour marathon, not not far down the track. And this is, these are people who just wanted to break 20 minutes for 5K and, I get massive kicks out of, yeah, that's, and that and kind of anywhere between kind of, it's good for people who want to break three hours. I like people ticking that box as well. And a couple of people who kind of want to smash three hours, like want to run 248 or 247 and kind of put in that dedication and that focus. And there, it's really rewarding working with them as well. So, so coaching's kind of taking up a day's worth of work as well, yeah. trying to make it like still, you know, kind of, I think maybe, uh, probably could probably could take on two more people. Like I don't want to take on too many people because then it just gets away from that personalised kind of stuff. And I like knowing what's happening in people's lives and keeping it really personalised and not getting people confused or anything like that. So probably yeah, can't... you don't want it. You don't want it to become just like a spreadsheet that you just nah. pop their name in and send off. You really and I think that's why people are probably really getting around it as well because they have that personal touch, you know. And they've got. I mean, it's a great little crew. I, it, it's funny. I sent a message to. Um, mattress and Gemma today um because there was a uh, like a facebook memory popped up today of a post that i'd made and it's a photo of mattress and i running uh, just before the finish of run the bridge and my that last 10k yeah. race that i did in 2017 and, oh, was mattress yeah, there that year yeah 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 he and i finished within a couple of seconds of each other yeah and right. so it's a it's a great photo of us from behind like running to the finish and and um, like I sent that to him because he's had so many, or they both have had yeah. so many problems and illness and injury and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I was saying, mate, that was two years ago. And I hope that, you know, one day we can do that again. And like his, um, is, are they married? 
No, not married. No. I, I think yeah, Gemma partner, wishes they were, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. His partner Gemma's been amazing. Like I don't know Gemma, but she was messaging me all the time about my injuries and because she had so many issues and problems as well. And so we were bouncing off each other for ages. So it's great to see her back running and sessioning and running so well because she's a, a great talent, obviously just loves the sport as well. And so she's been a really great support, even though I don't know her. And I've had other great people like it's good to see Mark DeCampo. He, he was always sending me messages. Another guy I don't know. Yeah. And, He's back running again now, and that's awesome. And then, you know, like um, Ben Pearson from from your hometown, I met him for the yeah. first time in, in Lonnie the other week because he's down helping his um, in-laws with a great um, vineyard that they've got in the north of Tassie, and he's actually moving down here in a couple of weeks to, to live for a few months and work on the vineyard and do a vintage. And, you know, it's just that's what that's what's great about the community, you know, that, you know, I've never met him before, but he was sending me wine, and then by the time I did yeah. meet up with him, you know, it was like we're like we're old mates. Yeah, that's a cool was, world like that. It was, yeah, it is really good, and it's good to see like young people taking a risk like that and going right. Yeah, well, I'm just going to stop my job and and move into state for a while, and you know, chase something I'm more passionate about. I mean, he's an electrician by trade, and now he's down making beautiful wine and really loving it. You can see when he was at the stall at um, at the festival that he just just loves talking about it and so passionate. It's, it's good to, to take those just sometimes. Sorry we've gone off on a tangent there, but no, yeah. Mate, this is what we do. Yeah, it's funny uh, you bring up Gemma though because um, she's a brilliant coach and communicator. Like Carly, I've been writing her program for years and it does my head in because she always um, questions questions me like, why am I doing this session and why am I doing that? And I'm just like, it's just probably too hard to be somebody's husband and their running coach at the same time so i Uh, said look my wife never listens to me exactly like i could say it all perfect and she'd still doubt it or would still have arguments about it and stuff like that so i just said to her look i'll pay for you you can sign up with Gemma." (laughs) and Gemma's like every run she's like shooting her an email and communication was awesome and i said to carly i'm like this is she is going over and beyond with this she is a brilliant coach and yeah really yeah. caring kind of nature and stuff and yeah. coming off those injuries she'll be be stronger and stuff as well so so yeah it's been good to kind of pursue that like i probably found when i was just doing it on the side by myself it was a bit a bit rushed and a bit kind of like google docs kind of spreadsheet kind of stuff and not sure who's paid and checking bank statements and things like that whereas now under this umbrella of run to pb it's just a lot more professional like um zach is great with the social media and linking with a couple of partners who kind of give discounts for our members and little things like that like just probably hard to get the initiative to do that by yourself but when you're a group and it's good because sometimes someone will sign up and will kind of they won't nominate a coach and we'll kind of have a look at their PBs and think about who would fit them best and what they want to achieve and who's got the life experience and the coaching experience to make that happen. So instead of having like one coach, they really get four at the moment because we kind of will bounce ideas off each other and and communicate that way, which is fun. So that's kind of, I put stuff in like days of the week at the moment. So like podcast works one day a week. Yep. coaching stuff's one day a week um i've been doing like crt teaching which i'm absolutely loving so like schools will ring me and i've only told one school that i'm available for work so i didn't want to tell 10 schools and then you got to say no to nine and then they never call you again so this one school in bendy i've told and yeah it's like the best bits of teaching you get to walk in at 8 30 teach the kids for five hours and go home like there's no paperwork there's no like parentage interviews there's no going away on school camps. There's no writing reports. It's just having fun with the kids and trying to have an impact 
uh, yeah, well, this day. is so interesting. So I caught up with a mate who is a really dedicated teacher, and he was saying that he thinks that's what I should do when I when I qualify because I'm not looking for a full time job because it just won't it won't suit our life, you know. Yeah. That, and we don't need it. I'm not doing it because I need we need heaps of cash, you know. Um, Lindsay earns enough to keep us comfortable, and it's more about keeping me. You know, um, you know, functioning as a as a human, you know, being interested and and being challenged and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. he was saying, like, he's got a mate who does it and just loves it. Has this one school? She's pretty much a permanent relief teacher for one school, so she gets yep, to same here. That's gets, what I'm to, doing. gets to know all the kids, knows all the the policies of the school, knows the teachers. So when she goes into a class, it's not like she's a regular relief teacher and the kids can just do whatever they want with her because they know they're not going to see her again. They know that she's like a regular teacher that turns up occasionally. She nominates when she wants to work, works a few days a week, and then, you know, it's just a it seems like a really great lifestyle. You still get to do all the great stuff about teaching, but you, you don't have some of the um, the downfalls. Yeah, don't have the admin. It's all the, all the, the practical admin, yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's... um. It's been good, and you go like I'm working tomorrow. Like just trying to do one or two days a week. I probably don't want to take any more on because then I'll get back into that busy kind of lifestyle that I'm not really chasing at the moment, and get that balance yep. out of whack again. But yeah, I'm kind of ex- like I'm working tomorrow, which is Friday, recording this on a Thursday, and kind of excited about okay, this is good. I get to work tomorrow, and I'll have some fun, and we'll yeah, kids are really super well behaved at this school, and kind of building that rapport now, which is. Which is good. So that's kind of my other two days a week. And this little Airbnb property that we've got, it's, um, that's keeping me pretty busy as well. It's kind of getting booked five or six nights a week at the moment. So I'm yeah, also I'm enough. also a part-time cleaner, cleaning sheets and vacuuming yep. floors and all that kind yep. of stuff. And just even the admin around messaging people, checking details and making sure the dates are lined up perfectly on the calendar and all those kind of things. So it sounds like on the surface that I'm having this running year but i'm probably just working 40 hours a week instead of i could have been working 80 hours a week with with the teaching load and doing all this stuff at 9 p.m at night kind of thing so it's good to good to do it but that's probably better than being a full-time athlete i just don't think that would suit you your personality you need to be busy and because otherwise you would just obsess about your running you'd spend all day every day on strava and and looking at your splits and your data and all that kind of stuff so yeah um no, yeah, running I think it's hasn't a perfect yeah. balance for you. Running hasn't changed. Like it's not like I'm doing more running either. Like I feel really good with this marathon build up that it's kinda of like I don't like I'm two and a half weeks from a marathon. It feels like I'm just kind of doing general training. Like I'm not that tired guy that's having to get up at five o'clock in the morning anymore. Like I can still do the same amount of running, but I'm just getting more sleep and not having that probably um adrenaline firing throughout the day, knocking over a million jobs. Yeah, that's right. It's a weird one. But yeah, so well, three weeks in, I think it's because I'll probably have to give it to like work will end up calling me because I'm just taking a year's leave. So they'll give me a ring in October or September or something and say you're coming back. And if I can keep nailing this stuff, it will be a, be a no. Yeah, wow. Interesting. Yeah, but it's good. It's kind of, yeah. I think I've spoken to you before that like actually I first heard it when I was at your place in January last year after um, – the Cabri Half Cabri. Marathon, yeah. And I was yep. jogging around. You were at work one of those days afterwards and I was listening to Tim Ferriss interview someone. I can't remember who it was, but it was kind of like giving your life a score out of 10. Have I spoken to you about this before? Yeah. Yeah. And like mine was a seven and I'm just like, you can't use, well, the, the rule is that you can't use the number seven. So it goes down to six and you make some changes because six out of 10 is not good enough. 
or yeah. it goes up to eight and you've got to be content with it. So, yeah, it's an interesting kind of thing to do. Like, you do a bit of a pros and cons list and work it out. Well, I think uh, you're going to find it's going to be much closer or much higher uh, after this year, after having... Oh, you so know, just, far, so good, yeah. Yeah, so much quality. How's Carly going with it all? Yeah, she's going good. It's kind of like that. And because a lot of my work is... Um, I'm trying to get better at it. I wasn't great at it at the start because I'd still work because it's kind of flexible stuff. Like it's someone your coach sends you an email at six o'clock at night. So you open it and then you write back straight away. Whereas that's like the four hours I have with her when she gets home from work and before we kind of go to bed. So I've kind of got, I've, I've got better at it now that I write programs and I do podcast work between that kind of nine and four o'clock while she's at work as well rather than doing it like I used to like after I'd come home from work or after I've been for a run so that's taken a bit of while to work out but um yeah she's good like because I'm doing so much stuff around the house as well like the dishwasher's always empty and meals are cooked and the lawns are always mowed and um and I'm like happier so I'm not walking around like a chook with its head cut off knocking stuff over it's all kind of done before the time she gets home yeah, like, yeah, it's exactly the same as it is here. Like, and, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with living your life like that just because it doesn't, you know, just because it, it's not how it used to be 10 years ago or how it's considered for, a, you know, a, a man or a, or anybody to be, you know, working Monday to Friday and things like that. Like, I'm quite comfortable in my role. I mean, Lindsay's um, incredibly intelligent and very hardworking and has done a lot of work to get where she is. And, you know, mm. I'm quite happy to support her in that. And, you know, it's just a really good balance. And if you can find that balance, your life's going to be a lot happier. And there's, there's no problems with being happy, I don't think. No, none at all. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this, like, consumerism and buying stuff and chasing the next bigger house. And I think we've spoken about all this stuff before, but it's good just putting all that aside and just concentrating on the things that matter. And, yeah, just, yeah, living a good life while we're here. Yeah, totally. Yeah, awesome, mate. What about podcasts? You been uh, listening to any decent podcasts? Yeah, look, I, I, I sort of oscillate between some very similar ones. Ah, oh, look out, I've just had a message from Mattress, actually. There we go. Yeah. Let's, should bloody be, go. Should be right Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell him. Um, yeah, I oscillate between, like, I go in and out of Rich Roll. Sometimes I, I just have a bit too much of Rich Roll, but he does have some pretty incredible guests, and sometimes um, that's been awesome. I, I love... Um, that running podcast that uh, <laughs> that Ross Murray's doing, like I think he's just a legend. He was a, was he on Tell Me Your Tales or on Inside Running? He's on Inside Running. Yeah, I oh, interviewed him and I had like so an hour and funny. twenty minutes. He's such yeah. a pisser. I, have you listened to this week's episode from them? Yeah, Ru- oh, the Rooney one. <laughs> no, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm listening to it on the afternoon, oh, ninety minutes. So I'm it's another to ripper because the guests that they get on are like incredible athletes like and but they're all so funny like they all get along so well and they have such great banter and they gets really interesting like some of it's really stupid but some of it's really insightful as well and it's great seeing their journeys like for colin and and ross you know both you know elite world-class athletes are now trying to run park runs and stuff like that and you know you know, he calls himself Fat Boy Slim. Colin does because yeah. he he got out to ninety odd kilos, and I think what was it? He had to um sixteen thirty or something. He like had that. to run a he had to run a park run under sixteen thirty, um, and lose all this weight. Otherwise, he had to get all twelve of his mates tattooed on his body or something yeah. like that. You know, so a pretty good motivation to get fit again. So it's really interesting watching him balance that out. And yeah, I love that. Um, I listened to a little bit of. 
uh, Mario stuff. I listened to Colleen Quigley during the week. That was that was really good. I love. Um, I still love Freakonomics. It's still one of my favourite. They uh, they just really delve into some really interesting topics that you just don't really mm. think about and how corrupt the world is. Pretty much. Um, that's good. Yeah. And I, I still love Lance. Like I know he's not popular, but man, I love listening to his chats. Like. He's a he's a pretty funny dude, and um, he gets some really cool people on. Like I listened to that um, the rock climber, Alex. Is it Alex? Oh, have you seen that doco? Oh no, it's playing at the state cinema. I've just found out yesterday. It's playing down here. It'd be incredible to watch. What's it called? Free Solo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just ridiculous. We were in um, Yosemite um, a year or two ago, and to think that you climb anything out there without any ropes or anything is crazy. But to what did climb El Capitan? I think. I actually am not sure. I've just, you know, one of those things that you kind of, it comes up and then you see it once and then it comes up two weeks later and then you hear someone talking about it on a podcast and like every time you hear it, it's from credible sources and it's like, I'm at that stage now where I'm like, I've got to figure out how to watch this because I've heard it's brilliant. So they were saying that you really need to watch it on the big screen if you can because, I mean, it's such a beautiful place. But, oh, yeah, yep, yeah, he's right, El Capitan. So El Capitan is 900 metre vertical rock face and he climbs it he attempts to climb it with nothing just his hands yeah right no 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 ropes or anything like it's 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 incredible i've just been watching when i'm on my bike doing my cross training i often put docos and things on i watched one yesterday by the north face about um the old uh, like the the old climbers and mountaineers from back in the 70s and 80s who used to climb all the rocks up there and like um they used to do them in like a, a week or something like that with all the ropes and things like that and that was even like death defying then and now this dude's doing it with nothing yeah right yeah, yeah right it's on it um it's not out yet but it's on its cinemas and stuff imax yeah yeah it's only at cinemas yeah imax yeah, well, that's what that's what that's what Lance said to do. Like he said, he was absolutely petrified watching it. Like yeah. he felt physically sick watching the guy do it. But um, I think Tom yeah. from Marathon Talk said the same thing. Like you know, he survives because there's a movie about it. But <laughs> yeah, you just right. literally like you got to look away when it's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's, that's what I've been listening to. I sort of, I mean, yeah, podcast and Inside Running, of course. I listen to that every week. I still love that. I did start listening to some of Stephen Scullion's um, stuff oh, yeah. after. But man, that's heavy. That's hard. That's heavy going. Like he's um, he's a different dude, and it's really interesting. He's a very very confident man, and um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's sort of following him. It's just him talking into an iPhone pretty much for like twenty minutes and every day and documenting. He's trying to qualify for Tokyo twenty twenty in the marathon. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've listened to him at all. I have. I think I because they all go for like fifteen minutes kind of thing. Yeah. Which- yeah. Aren't a great help for me because I I need the hour ones or the ninety minute ones to get me through my long runs and stuff like that. And yeah, you've described it really well. Like he's opening voice memos on his phone and hitting record and then just hitting upload. Like it's pretty raw stuff. Um, so I'd listened to a few of those before he was on Ross Murray's podcast. And yeah, kind of hats off to him for being so honest and raw and just putting it out there. Like it's it's an interesting. Um, interesting lifestyle he lives and he's kind of yeah being super honest with why he's chasing the goals and yeah hopefully he can i think his run at houston was pretty impressive i think he'd be pretty close to making that olympic team for ireland yeah i mean it's not it's not ultra competitive over there um but uh, he, he delves into some pretty interesting things and he like he said he's very honest about like he had an eating disorder um which is geez it's sounding like it's quite common isn't it but yeah. you know um you, you just wonder how much of that is prevalent i mean i know like with dave 
Dave McNeil and I, like we were both pretty little and skinny, but that's just how we we were. It wasn't because we were denying it, um, ourselves of any food or anything like that, but it certainly sounds like it can be something at that elite level that you you see other guys and see what they weigh and what they're doing. You think, well, if I'm if I'm three or four kilos lighter, then maybe I'll be able to do that. But it doesn't work like mm. that at all. You, you've still got to be strong and you've still got to put fuel in the fire in order to to maintain um, uh, that that equilibrium and that status quo in the body so yeah just keep shoveling it in it's the reverse problem that 99 percent of the population has yeah that's right oh that was one other thing that i was i, I actually got scales because um i was so worried because they told me that was one of the things when i was coming back the sports doctor and physio said i wasn't allowed to get below probably 64 65 kilos yeah and so i actually have to weigh myself every day now and i recorded on garmin to track it because once I start exercising like I am now, like I'm probably doing 12 to 14 sessions a week, even though none of them are super long, they all sort of add up. And if I have a day where I don't feel right, like you say, if it's a, a gym day for an hour and then it's a run day and I do 30 minutes and then I'll probably do half hour on the spin bike to cool down, if I don't feel well that day, then I, I, I'm, I can lose a kilo, a kilo, kilo and a half in a day or two. And um, so I just uh, maintain that now by getting on the scales every day for the opposite reason. I'm trying not to lose weight. So Yeah, especially when it's hot as well and you're dripping in sweat. Like it's, it's been a killer summer up here and it's just been so hard to, to manage that weight to keep it up. Yep. Did you have yep. bloods so, and stuff done? Like, did you get testosterone done for when you were skinny? Yeah, like when, everything yeah, was good. It yeah, was, it was yes. fine. See, mine drops. Yeah. If I my weight drops, that's the first like blood indication that we can tell. If oh, my, yeah, mine... Actually, mine wasn't great the first time around. Actually, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't particularly great, but it wasn't. It was nothing like what you had. Like yours was really low, so mine wasn't too bad. All I have to do now is supplement calcium and um, vitamin D, and so I take that um, a couple of times a day. But that was for more for my bone health. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I just keep an eye on that now. I, every year or so, I think I have to have a bone density check and so i had one of those in december and everything had improved so oh, that's good because i was i was going to ask that question can it improve or once your bones are like that because when um dave mcneil said about his kind of early onset um osteoporosis i wasn't sure if you can pull that back once it gets to that stage well, yeah yes and no so when i i went and saw an endocrinologist as part of my recovery and he was pretty much looking at it from a point of view okay you've got a 39 year old male who has pretty much osteopenia, which is just a step down from osteoporosis, and that was throughout my spine and and hips. And he was looking at it from the fact that, well, all the because all the studies have have been done on like sixty to seven year old women. You know, yeah. they're not uh, they're not looking at at young men uh, or athletes. So the the information that he got wasn't particularly great. He was just like, oh well, you could take this or you could not take this, and it won't really matter. But you pretty much that's what it's going to be like. Whereas my sports doctor and my GP, who's amazing, actually looked into it a lot more and said, yours is totally reversible because this is like a, this is something that happened. It's not something that's just occurred. It's just something that you've done to yourself. And so I had prolia, which is a bisphosphonate. Um, I had two courses of that. And most people, um, the endocrinologist didn't want me to take it because you, once you start taking it, you're meant to keep taking it for years because if you stop taking it, then everything reverses. But once again, he was looking at it from the point of view of a seven-year-old woman with osteoporosis, whereas mm. mine actually came about because I wasn't getting enough fuel in my body and my body, instead of, you know, um, to maintain everything, it just kept 
leaching out of my bones. And so that's how I got it. And so we, we, we thought we could get away with only doing it twice. And so we did it twice and then had a bone density check and everything's improved. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, so it is totally reversible, but you've just got to be really careful. And that's what I did. That's why I had to put on so much weight. And that's why I had to, you know, um, yeah, pretty much stop what I was doing for a while. But yeah, now now the seesaw is tipped back in the right direction. I can sort of live pretty normally now as long as I, you know, don't get too light. And the only time I'll be allowed to uh, drop weight again is if I'm back into you know, if I actually manage to get back to racing, I'll be allowed to periodize once or twice a year where I do drop weight a little bit, you know, for a peak race. But the majority of the year, I need to be heavier um, just to protect everything and to stay a bit healthier. Whereas last time around, like Dave said, um, I was 59 or 60 kilos for 12 months of the year. Mm. And, you know, just no, there's no river room there. If, um, if When things go bad, when you're on a knife edge like that, you get sick really quick and you know, you're liable to, you know, break bones and all that kind of stuff. While you're, you're in really good shape and fit, but as soon as you push that 1% further, then you put yourself in danger. So yeah, stress being, isn't that. Yeah, being light's not, not everything. You know, no. I can, I should still be able to run pretty well. I'll just be a bit heavier, but I'll hopefully be a bit stronger this time around. Stronger's better than being light, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I and I get great, um, uh, sort of well not satisfaction but looking at somebody like Dion who's just an absolute animal and like he's more like he's not a, a stereotypical runner at all but look what he can do and you know he can he's got great range now from 5k all the way up to ultras and he can maintain it by you know having a really healthy physique and being um you know a, a lot bigger than us regular runners and he can still outrun most people so yeah there's, there's certainly um something to take from that yeah what about um I I know you're not a big fan. I'm not sure if you're still not a big fan. You're listening to Joe Rogan lately. Colin, O'Bra- <laughs> Colin O'Brady on there was the guy that pulled the sleigh across Antarctica. He was brilliant. You'd love that one. I knew you were going to ask me about Joe Rogan. Yeah, I just I just don't like the dude. I've, I have listened to a couple of his, which are good, but, I mean, he and I differ on so many things that, you know, I find it a little bit hard to to uh, listen to him. What's the guy's name? Colin O'Brady. He was the guy who oh. pulled the sleigh across um, Antarctica. He's worth a listen to. All right, I'll, I'll add it into the list. Give it a go on that one. Before we talk again, I'll get your thoughts on it next time. Right, yeah. It's let, loaded up. Let the, listener, let the listeners know if I've converted you back over yeah, to okay. Joe Rogan's side. <laughs> yeah. Hi, mate. Well, that's over an hour. I think I've got to, uh, I've got to knock this 90 minutes out. What's planned for you for this afternoon? Um, I'll take Maggie to the park now for a bit of a walk and a run and then I'll do a little bit more study before Lindsay gets home and then get on with um, with dinner prep and that'll be that'll be it. I try to have all that sort of stuff done and organised before she gets home. So um, once I'm home, it's all fairly relaxed. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I might hop on the bike, I think, spin the legs out. I tend to do that on those um, running days just for 30 or 40 minutes, nothing hard, just keep the heart rate really low, but it tends to be like a little bit of like a recovery massage for me. Yeah, active recovery. Sounds good. Beautiful, mate. Well, thanks for giving up some more time for the uh, Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Yeah, great to have it back. Not the, I was about to say inside running there. I've got, uh, I'm interviewing Aaron (laughs) Polford. This is the third podcast. I'm doing three podcasts today. It's going to be a big, big day. (laughs) I did Mara this morning, you the middle of the day, and then Aaron Polford this afternoon from Kenya. So I think I've been to America, Tasmania, and Kenya for the day, which should be a bit of fun. Oh, brilliant. Looking good. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Brady. See ya. Talk soon. See ya.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 